Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Pottersville. You do not have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, and in this case, I advise you not to see it, because it really is confusing and strange. But if you want to, it's on Netflix. But anyway, if you um, proceed with listening without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hey. Good evening. How's it going? You're lying in bed. I am lying in bed. I'm very tired. Because you're illing. I'm not illing. I'm just say. I'm just tired and grumpy, so I'm I'm here in bed. Oh that that's illing. That's what um <laughs> that's what Run DMC were talking about. Exactly. Did you know that, um the they were originally gonna be called Run DMG and G meant grumpy. Oh really? DMG was the name of an insurance group. So they weren't allowed to do it. <laughs> you learn something new every day. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. It's just one of those days where like everything feels it feels like just one thing after another. You know, it took me like two and a half hours to get into work this morning because of the trains and then it took me ages to get home because of the trains. And I got this new phone and it's one of these Apple phones that doesn't have a headphone jack. So when I went to call you just now, I went to plug in my headphones, no headphone jack. So I've had to use the like little rubbish Apple earbuds that come with it, and they don't fit in my ears, so they keep falling out. And if I need to charge the phone, I'm going to have to unplug the headphones. You know, as much as like, I'm not. I you know, obviously, I'm really invested in the Apple ecosystem. Everything I use is Apple, but like that is really annoying. <laughs> it's such stupid. a stupid design choice, and it it's really offensive and shows so little care for their consumers. I find yeah. that nobody wanted this. It adds literally nothing apart from Apple's able to make more money out of people. Yeah, it's really hard not to see it as a cynical money grab because, you know, a headphone jack, it's easy to put on, doesn't really cost anything. And it's like, it's just a nice alternative, you know? I, I get that they're trying to move a lot towards wireless technology. You know, my, my MacBook Pro has the USB-C things and I'm fine with those even though it means I have to carry around adapters because that's trying to move things in a different direction but yeah this just feels like a a money grab it is so, that, that's but all it Apple is. have all of my money and my soul forever so there you go well I'm I'm I am not going to have a phone that doesn't have a headphone jack so when my phone eventually dies I'm probably going to move over to Android because fuck that shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not tolerating a phone where it's a faff to just plug in headphones yeah i mean i do generally use use the blue, little bluetooth boys when i'm working around which is great but then when they run out of battery well exactly it's, it's so inconvenient there's like, nothing wrong with charge your headphones. technology yeah basically fuck technology yeah even though right now we're recording this on a macbook <laughs> with lots of wires and boxes plugged into it and without technology we wouldn't be able to do this Yes, we, wouldn't have, but, we wouldn't have podcasts, but, but I reckon we'd still be doing this. We'd have like we'd be just be sending carrier pigeons. Yeah, to we'd each be other. we'd be sending letters to one another, saying, "Didst thou see that shit piece? It <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. verily bad." Ah, <laughs> tis the weekly shit piece report, <laughs> the highlight of my Saturday. 
<laughs> just selling te- just sending telegrams um yeah i i you know i'm quite a big fan of technology i love a i love a good gadget but cynical bullshit that does nothing to move forward anything and is just there to be a pain in the ass for everyone to make money because you know you've got a monopoly get that shit out of here i ain't got time for that nonsense you know what i absolutely cannot wait for self-driving cars self-driving cars i am so all over that shit because you don't drive do you no no i don't drive yeah well good because driving fucking sucks i'm gonna put it out there (laughs) driving is shit and anyone who claims to enjoy it is lying is fucking lying see see i have driven a pain in the ass i have driven a car before and i i do hate it like i'm gonna get my license next year and i am kind of dreading it because it means i have to drive and i hate driving i've always hated driving Yep, um, I hate it too. And I drive, I drive all the time to various places and it's just, it's it's like walking down the street, you know, and sometimes you come across a person and it's like, are they going to get in your way or are they walking too fast or too slow or whatever? It's like that, but magnified a th- times a thousand with the constant worry that someone's about to have to make an insurance claim. Yeah, it can get in the bin. It's very bad. And, you know, people who are opposed to self-driving cars, fuck off. <laughs> there are going to be way few fewer accidents with self-driving cars than there are with people driving them. And there will still be accidents. But I love how people who are just opposed to anything are always like, oh, because there was one accident, that means all self-driving cars are bad. When even now with the very few self-driving cars that exist, they probably have a much lower rate overall than humans. Yeah, I mean, you probably can't actually can you can't actually rate it yet because there's no real comparison to be made. Yeah. Um, and I think... You know, there are these problems with them. Otherwise, they would have progressed a lot further than they have already because a lot of companies are putting a lot of money into them. So they're still clearly not there yet. But, you know, give it another 10 years. We'll yeah. see where we're at. This is this is what Elon's working on. This is the only reason that I keep Elon Musk around. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, you'd be, like, punting him down the road. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for that, he'd be out the door. Old Musky. Yeah. Our boy be like, get, get out of my house, Elon. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> He's just sitting there reading Atlas Shrugged on your sofa. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you seen this? Have you seen this? This guy's called Atlas and he's shrugging. Because <laughs> he's was so my, fed up with this world. That was my favourite part of Atlas Shrugged was all of the nonchalant body language. Yeah. I liked it when he shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is probably genuinely a review on Amazon. I, I hope so. I hope so. Unverified purchase. <laughs> right. We have talked Speaking about... of which, have you would you ever leave a review of Pottersville? Can you leave reviews on Netflix, incidentally? You can or... give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay. I've left well, some thumbs downs before. I think we know <laughs> I think we know what this film's gonna get. I think so, yeah. Paddy, 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 Paddy. Two thumbs up from me. (laughs) Who has two thumbs and thinks this film is a big load of bullshit? (laughs) It's me. (laughs) So so this movie, right, uh, I I was so hyped up for some nonsense. Were you? And And it did deliver some nonsense to me. I was really happy after the first 15 minutes where I thought this is going to be an appropriate load of shit. But then I don't know if it delivered the amount of terror that I really wanted, if you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, uh, you, you you were looking for like a horrible terror film that was going to scare you. You uh, were looking for some scares. I was looking for some some weird crap. 
and some nonsense and it did kind of deliver on that um i liked the incredibly tone-deaf use of furries <laughs> that was brilliant yep but it just ah i yeah i did not like this film it was me neither good. so i watched it last night and you know 24 hours later i'm still very confused as to what the point of it was what it was for and why you know just why why any of it the the reason is furry and bigfoot and <laughs> furry bigfoot that, that that's about it really i i don't really under cuz it's there's clear parallels here to it's a wonderful life well um, you say that but the only parallel that I could see was that the town is called Pottersville, and then at the end there's a scene that pretty much exactly follows the pattern of the last scene of It's a Wonderful Life, with very, very little having been done in the film to build up to it, where everyone in the town comes together and gives them money. Except in It's a Wonderful Life, it's like a huge pile of money on the table, and you're like, oh my god, that's so much money, what are these people doing, where are they keeping their money? Wow, and it feels really real. In this, there's all just people dropping like crumpled dollar bills in like a wet pile on his, on his <laughs> desk, and it still just looks like a meager amount of money even though it probably is actually quite a lot of money it's really really odd well i think yeah it it it, it's like it's a wonderful life if you cut out all of the build-up to it's wonderful life and it has those same kind of the the core story is guy who feels a little bit underfulfilled and isn't perhaps as well thought of as he should be by the people in this town given the amount that he does for it um makes a mistake and in this case it's dressing up like bigfoot and then <laughs> getting caught out and starting a, a a bigfoot hoax whereas in the other one it's misplacing eight thousand dollars which has actually been stolen by um some horrible bloated jab of the hut alike and then climax and everybody realizes how important they are and everyone's happy so so there's that kind of the, the core message is the same and those core plot points are the same but how they reach that point is is very very different yeah it's a very very different mode i think the filmmakers wanted that to be the case but it didn't feel that way remotely it just felt like a really weird film and i'm genuinely so every so often a film comes up like this where you're like oh it's got that person in it it's got it's got that person in it it's got uh, this cast list of people that we recognize from other things um and you watch it and you're like everyone is bad in this all of these people that I like in other things are terrible in this. And um, why did they do this? How did they do this? Why is it so bad? And you're like, why did they agree to do it? And all you can think is that it must have worked on paper. They, well, they must have read a script and thought, yeah, that sounds great. And I was like, the whole time I was just thinking, is this supposed to be funny? You know, and it, I, it's billed as a comedy. It's said it's supposed to be a comedy. So maybe when they read the script, they thought it was really funny. But I did not laugh once. Did you? I laughed at a couple of bits. Um, this is on par. Hang on, t- with... tell a lie. I laughed the first time that Thomas Lennon appeared with his like Pan Man hair and was like being all Australian and funny. Like, see, this is I think the big film's missed opportunity. Is that um, is it Thomas Lennon? The guy is that his name? Yes, the actor? yeah, yeah. So I I like him. He's been in a lot of stuff, and I uh, and I think he's actually quite underrated. But yeah, his sort of pastiche of a Bear Grylls type. That's a really funny and good character, and that's the film that it should have been. It should have been like a wacky comedy satirizing the, you know, the Bear Grylls type TV presenters because 
they're mostly a bunch of fools who are staying in hotels, as I understand it. So, you know, that's what that's what it should have been, but it wasn't. He was just there to sort of weirdly bring about this sort of sentimental hokey ending. And uh, there is there is a very strong element of critiquing that kind of outdoorsman TV. That uh, his entire character is that, and they spend an awful amount of time on it. Um, I'd say this movie is still much better than a Christmas Prince two. It See, is... I would ra- I would rather watch a Christmas Prince two any day. Really? That yeah, film yeah, was honestly. a fucking travesty. This is nowhere near as bad. It's as bad, that. but it had moments of intrigue. You got you know Princess Emily doing her thing, and you got you know the the princess lady herself. I think is is you know you can tell that she's trying, and it's got you know Indian stereotypes and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's what you look for. <laughs> yeah. No this this but... movie this movie comes across as the better end of the terrible tv movie for me it's it's nonsensical it's hokey it's corny but there's enough here that actually works that i mean i still didn't like it one bit it's still a bad movie but this is not anywhere near as shite as some of the other stuff we've watched on this podcast that's really interesting because i found it confusing and so, weird so what, in a very conf- very bad way you know it was like it was you? bathos it what? was pathetic everything about it just was kind of non sequiturs and didn't really make sense and it was just it was just i just found it very very odd and it was an unsettling experience to watch a film and just be thinking why who made this and why and what has this happened and not i wasn't able to sort of step back and laugh at it like i was with something like a christmas prince and you're right i'm not entirely 100 percent sure why myself so so was it the plot that confused you or Yeah, maybe. I think I guess it it got off on a, a strange note by starting with as you say the very very tone deaf use of furries and I just thought it's taken there a subculture that it doesn't understand and used it to make a joke and I just thought well that's not cool. It's not necessarily offensive but it's like I just thought that was I was a bit weirded out by that and then I was like yeah, it's the whole as well the music was really annoying. It was really, really like loud and stupid and like sort of jokey, jaunty music. You know what I mean? Of like, it sounded like the Grinch. It it almost it sounds, sounded like it had been lifted from the Grinch. It sounds like a TV movie. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> this movie, yeah. I, I think, if this film didn't have, I mean, I didn't go into this with much by way of expectations, but I went into it with some expectations because it's got a lot of good people in it. And I think if it had had a bunch of nobodies, I probably would have been more tolerant of it. Um, it's just the fact that it's got so many fantastically talented people in it. And I'm a bit like, what's what's the point of this? Yeah, um, ex- exactly. And I think if you spend the whole time questioning what the point of it is, I just that for, to me is a very very bad viewing experience and not one I would ever want to repeat. Whereas if a film is sort of terrible in a way that's that's a little bit funny, like because it's about Aldovian Bitcoin, I I would rather watch that. No, this is much better. That there's so much better than a Christmas Prince two. A Christmas Prince two is an absolute travesty and one of the worst things I think I've ever seen in my life. Whereas this is not. This is the kind of thing where you'd find it on some terrible TV channel in the middle of the day, in the middle of Christmas, and put it on for a bit, and then be like, "Uh, no," and turn over to something else. <laughs> but a Christmas Prince two is the same as that, surely. A it's Christmas just that Prince that's what would two be on the Hallmark Channel. A Christmas Prince 2 is worse than that, though. The amount of time it would take to turn it off is significantly shorter for A Christmas Prince 2. 
you think? Yeah, definitely. You know, you're not even going to wait for the next ad break. It's just am, like s- straight over to American Pickers on I, Dave. I turn over, I see someone go, oh, this sweet is sweet. Immediate turnover to, to Antiques Roadshow. I think that's a funny joke. It's a terrible joke. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of joke it, that I would make. It might be the best joke in the film. It's still a terrible joke. So so in terms in terms of, of Pottersville, though, I think it's it's all of these weird subcultures rolled into a quite sort of like saccharine story. So you've got Bigfoot fanatics. You've got the big furries. But then the entire film is kind of framed as this feel-good Christmas movie, whereas I think it would have been really good if it had really delved into that weirdness. And I think there could be something really funny about someone who's going to a late-night fairy party getting mistaken for Bigfoot and mm. and it, it causing this whole kind of, like, fiasco. That That could be a really funny film in itself, because then you're like, because of the pressures around being a furry you you can imagine someone being like oh well i can't come out and explain what that was and and why and why i was dressed up like a gorilla at 11 o'clock at night (laughs) that 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 that, and and so that itself that could be actually really funny but the way that they framed it in that his wife is a furry he doesn't understand it he dresses up as a gorilla when he gets drunk gets spotted in the woods everyone thinks he's uh, everyone thinks he's big for nonsense in shoes for an hour here have a happy ending which is which is yeah. <laughs> what happens in this movie and there's not there's not much of a good exploration of the subculture of lovejoy either no although he was by far the best bit about this film i would he quite i would quite happily watch an entire movie based around ian mcshane's character in this movie he's amazing his performance was the most compelling by far and he's he's 75 years old he doesn't look it oh, he's amazing ian mcshane yeah, of, he was great and you got favorites. the feeling he was sort of laughing at it while he was doing I it think, as well i think a lot of people were laughing at it as they were doing it um christina Hendricks, i think definitely realized what she was making quite early on yeah like her performance um, i mean generally whenever i've seen her i thought she was good but her performance was like weirdly over the top and yeah really really strange yeah and i think there's a lot of that to this film is there's this almost cartoonish melodrama element to it um i I still find michael shannon a little bit creepy in this movie oh Um, absolutely and and i almost feel as though maybe this is like the the precursor to um i want to fuck the fish man um (laughs) in that michael shannon had a first water that's not his real name paddy (laughs) go by his real name in spanish please um <laughs> and um so so Michael Shannon, his character in The Shape of Water, um, the Fish Love movie, he uh he had a first Fish wife. Love on the Fish Love Highway. <laughs> he he had a first wife, but his first wife actually was a fairy. Who was and, a fairy. Um eventually eventually um wanted to go and romance bigfoot and then that was enough for him so he had to leave her and then that's why he's so furious about this woman wanting to have sex with a fish man because he's like what is with all these women who want to sleep with animals and not me and these mythical beasts and not me and that's where it comes from (laughs) yep definitely that's my my theory it's a prequel it's a prequel to um the shape of water which guillermo del toro definitely signed off he definitely did. And and equally, you can imagine Christina Hendricks' character turning up in The Shape of Water 2, Fast and Furious, drift in the ocean. <laughs> For, oh, 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 oh. The Shape of Water 2, Tokyo Driftwood. 
is what it will be. <laughs> Um, yeah. She turns up and she's like, so I hear you also want to fuck mythical animals. Are there any other mythical animals I can fuck? And then she meets Bigfoot. And um, and then it's kind of like a, it's it's kind of like King Kong meets Godzilla, apart from it's Fishman meets Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. The creature from the Black Lagoon meets Brother Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Have you seen Brother Bear? Um, I don't know. It's it's a Disney from I think like the early to mid two thousands and is it the I only one saw it recently. It's very under underrated actually underrated Disney. I think film, I know the opinion. one you mean and I think I hate it. Yeah, yeah, I hate it. You hate I, bears. I, I no, I love bears. Bears are one of my favorite. You animals. hate bears. You hate Bigfoots. You hate furries. I, you hate the lot I, of them. I love Bigfoot. And I think one of the reasons I was disappointed in this movie was that. Do it, you want to fuck Bigfoot? I would definitely romance Bigfoot if Bigfoot if if Bigfoot came over. I'd be like, mate, come have a sit down. Come have a sit down. Sit on a movie. You know, put on a nice movie. I'll make him a cup of Earl Grey and be like, you know what, mate? You're cool. You're cool. We can hang out more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, put on something romantic. Here. Getting like... quite in here. Do you mind if I take my shirt off? You know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, no, I I love Bigfoot. I, I, I find Bigfoot culture fascinating. And although obviously mm. I don't believe in Bigfoot because I'm not a weirdo, um, I find the whole thing really fascinating. And I love that kind of subculture and that kind of desire for something mythological to exist. Um, and so I, I really, and did, did you know that Yeti does exist, by the way? The Yeti did exist. But the Bigfoot doesn't. The Bigfoot does not. Yeti did. Um, <laughs> Yeti roughly translates in, in Tibetan to a hybrid bear. And they have worked out that the Yeti is actually just this weird bear hybrid that exists every so often that looks massive and terrifying. So when someone's seen a seen a, a, a Yeti and gone, oh my God, it's a terrifying beast. It's, it's really just a bear that's pissed off. No, it's just an um, angry bear. Just an angry, possibly extinct bear is, is what Yeti is. So... But See, no... my, my theory is that big Bigfoots or big feet that they that they used to exist, but because they were so large, all of them would eventually walk to the end of the earth and then walk off the edge, and they all just walked off the edge of the earth and fell off it. That's so exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, but but there's so many elements of Bigfoot that I really wanted them to bring up in this movie. Like certain people think that Bigfoot is psychic. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Which I think is it amazing. See into your soul. It can it can see into your mind and it can send you telepathic messages and it can make you incredibly scared irrationally to make you run away so you don't see it. Um or it can create this incredible stench out of nowhere which then makes you run away. And there's all these weird <laughs> Well, theories. I can do that. <laughs> um there's all these really weird theories around Bigfoot that I really wanted them to delve into in this film. And obviously they didn't because I don't think they did the research into into what Bigfoot fanatics really believe in. And equally, like there was a surface level thing about furries where it's like, oh, they like dressing up like cartoon animals, but they don't necessarily have sex, but they like hanging out together. And and that's kind of like that's kind of like a top level approach to what furry subculture is. And, I'm and, sure they did not invite anyone from the furry subculture to consult on the film. No, I, I I imagine not. I can't say for certain, obviously, because or any big feet either. They they did not talk to Bigfoot, but I don't. It doesn't seem as though they really talk to anyone who's a proper um, like cryptid obsessive, which I think they really should have done because there's so much potential there to have something funny, and instead yeah. all you get is matey boy making funny noises in the woods. Yeah, it's literally like about twenty minutes of oh. 
Michael Shannon's a good man in the town. His wife's a furry and she's leaving him. He gets drunk, la la la. And then there's about an hour of like matey boy running around in the woods with Ian McShane insulting him and him going, and then there's about another 10 minutes at the end where they're all nice to Michael Shannon. And that's pretty much the whole film. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so uh, it's nice having Ian McShane in this movie because he brings a fun element to it. But that's pretty much it. And I I mean, I really like Judy Greer, but she is probably the worst thing about this film in terms of the cast. It's definitely like the worst performance of hers that I've seen. And I, st- I still, yeah, I still think she is fantastic and is always underused, always underappreciated, underutilized. Really needs to have some film where she's the, like the lead that's like some big block- blockbuster because, you know, she's really earned it. But yeah, in this, she is a complete drip. Yeah, literally no point in her character being in this movie. It could have all been, I mean, what would have been interesting is if it had all been Christina Hendricks who'd been the one who initially was like, oh no, I can't be with you because I'm a furry and you're not and I want adventure. And then um, coming to terms with and realising how important he is to her and how important they are to each other. And her being the one who sort of brings it all back around. And maybe they both do furry stuff at the end. It would be funny, you know. Yeah. Um, but instead, it's like... But it plays it safe, doesn't it? It by plays just being it like, oh, no, He defaults safe. to the nice woman that he works with. Yeah. and uh, Who has clearly always wanted to open a Bigfoot museum. <laughs> always wanted to open a Bigfoot museum. Um, yeah, which is just a bit... Oh, it's just a bit disappointing. I think there's there's so much potential with this movie because it's such a weird... It goes in so many weird directions, but then it never goes far enough to make it interesting, but it always goes too far to make it feel a bit strange given how it's trying to be this Hallmark Channel movie. Yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't know what it wants to be or even what it's really trying to be. It's just a whole bunch of stuff like thrown together that it, it thinks is a lot funnier than it actually is. Yes, yeah. Um, and and, it, and his, his Bigfoot costume. Let's talk about his, his Bigfoot costume for a second. It's shit. It's and, not even a good Bigfoot costume. Well, it's well, like it's, a scary ape man costume. Well, it's not a Bigfoot costume, is it? It's just a it's just a gorilla costume that he digs out. Yeah. So that doesn't work. But it does if you understand Bigfoot culture in that any potential sighting is immediately like, this is proof Bigfoot exists. Right. So that was actually yeah. quite realistic, is that the slightest sniff of anything Bigfoot-related, and people will jump on it as being, this is definitely proof that Bigfoot's real. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. Even though there are a number of scenes where people literally see him. Even one where he's looking in the window of a house and a kid goes, Merry Christmas, Bigfoot! And it's literally a man in an ape costume. <laughs> the kids are stupid, man. Yeah. Kids, kids are dumb. Or even at, at the end when like he's tran- he's been tranquilized and they've caught him and he's in the back of the truck and it's obviously a man in an ape costume and everyone's like oh my god it's Bigfoot. See I, for at that point at that point I thought okay it makes sense for the three of them to have tranquilized this guy in an ape costume and chucked him into the back of a truck because we've already established that they're all mondo drunk on moonshine by that point so i was like yeah. okay that's There's fine. a lot of talk about moon someone's gonna make a really good point and be like that is just a guy in an ape uh, an ape costume what are you doing and they're gonna go oh i've had a bit too much moonshine or something similar and be like oh yeah okay that's a mildly funny little yeah. moment because my name is ian mcmoonshine because i'm here to talk about moonshine <laughs> in every fucking scene <laughs> but 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 that never happens and it just seems as though everyone is wrapped up in like that's definitely bigfoot even though bigfoot is supposed to have big feet 
and be quite tall and instead it's just a moderately sized man in yeah. a fairy suit i think he is quite a tall man in real life yeah but, but it i don't think even, they didn't even imply that he was a tall man which would no. have also made it sort of vaguely funny it's it, there's so many missed opportunities to do something funny in this and yeah. if you've got all those weird moments where like ian mcshane tries tries to make the the bigfoot hunter eat bugs off a stick <laughs> like, why why does <laughs> that bit was was genuinely very funny where he's like trying to do a poo and ian oh McShane yeah comes yeah. up to him and yeah he ends up pulling up his pulling up his trousers <laughs> yeah that that the di- the dynamic between him and ian mcshane that was the film that I wanted. That was what I wanted it to be. Yeah, and and I liked I liked Thomas Lennon's character in general. I thought that was quite funny, and I thought the way that they framed him as this as this cryptid hunter was really good. I, I liked yeah. that a lot, and I would have liked more of that, and I would have liked more of Ian McShane. The branding of him as Monster Finder was very very funny. Yes, with the, yeah. the logo and stuff. That's very very good. That's another example of like sort of a good attention to background detail that is not applied to the rest of the film like in um i'm fat now kirby boy film is that is that the official name <laughs> that's for it? it that was his name in spanish yeah yeah that's Kirby, kirby's name. adventure i'm fat now <laughs> um where he he when he's the fat corporate man the company that he works for is just called corporate asset management and has a logo in like times new roman that was well observed and very funny Yes, and this yeah. is the same thing, but it could not save the film from being just whack. It it is a bad movie. I I I feel like I'm defending it when I shouldn't be, <laughs> just because <laughs> you've said it's worse than a Christmas Prince two, and I I've had a violent physical reaction to that <laughs> statement. I think what this tells us is that you you have a much higher tolerance for sort of Grinch like sort of sneaky comedy music than I do. <laughs> <laughs> because that music was there every time it was it felt like there was no scene where there wasn't annoying background music yeah there was a lot of that weird non sequitur music all over the place it just felt really jarring um, yeah because, like because i genuinely this... preferred the crashingly loud horrible music in black swan because <laughs> <laughs> this movie is too strange to warrant having that kind of generic nonsense film uh nonsense film music and so it does feel quite out of place what also felt quite out of place was that really obvious reference to Jaws, where um, where Ian McShane, when they're talking about getting Bigfoot, he's like, does the chalkboard scene from Jaws, where he's like, I'll get you, monster, but it'll cost you money. <laughs> it's like, what? where has this one little parody scene come from out of nowhere? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a just film felt, about a Bigfoot that's it, not it about just, a Bigfoot. It, it, it felt really out of place to have this one really obvious reference to Jaws, where the rest of the film doesn't have that kind of parody aspect to it yeah it's because it's a film that's not afraid to just shamelessly borrow from anything and everything which is the mark of you know inferior inferior filmmaking isn't it yeah i don't I, I wouldn't say that it's just borrowing it i think it i think they're obvious references instead of it borrowing and trying to pass it off as its of its own thing yeah but it's not done in a way that sort of has any depth to it no 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 it's just a hey you get this reference yeah you like this reference here's a reference. <laughs> hey guys remember things here's some things <laughs> here's a thing here's a jaws <laughs> thing yeah which is actually a criticism that people often level at shows like stranger things that they're pushing the nostalgia buttons but they also have good stories yeah i i have that problem slightly with stranger things um i find it a bit irritating when it's like hey look at this do you remember this from the 80s no you don't because you're 12 years old and you're watching stranger <laughs> things but you remember the reference to it from something else 
Hey, um, remember arcade games? <laughs> yeah, hey, remember arcade games? You've never played an arcade game in your life because you're not 30 years old. Um <laughs> and um and yeah, so so I find I find um I find that in Stranger Things a bit jarring. I don't like how reference heavy it is and I think that the it movie that came out last year does it perfectly where a stranger things relies a little bit too heavily on references to the past um, yeah but i still think stranger things is really good yeah stranger things is still one of my favorite tv shows of the last few years it's it's really good fun and i'm looking forward to the next series i still haven't seen it have you not it's good no. it's good it looks very good yeah it's a great film i really enjoyed it stephen king is the man he's just a complete legend i love stephen king he's such a good fella um, and and uh, there's been a couple of really good adaptations of his stuff that's come to Netflix recently as well. So what's it called? Um, uh, Gerald's Game is is on Netflix now, and that's really good, really tense. And I think the other one's called 1922 that I've not seen yet, but that also looks oh, fantastic. I've seen either of those. Um, Have I already talked on here about how I met him earlier this year? Yes, and yeah, I was, you I was did. really starstruck, which you know, is very unlikely because I figure that like most people are people, but he was just so gracious and so nice was he was he just there like eating a crow <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah he he dresses like super normcore so he was wearing like proper dad jeans and stuff oh, amazing but he's got such a distinctive look about him and he really has an aura about him you know and he's very very loud and very extroverted and just a lovely lovely bloke i have heard that he's a really lovely fella i'm very jealous that you got to meet him He's good. I wish that he had been involved in the writing of Pottersville because he could have made it good. He and, could make any story good. And that, I mean, there's so much, but there is potential in Pottersville. Like I said, that whole clash between like furry culture and Bigfoot and just that whole thing about something strange happening behind the scenes in a sleepy town. That's been done very well many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that actually, you know, yeah, the way that that worked really irritated me as well because I felt like it was almost visually and aesthetically trying to be a bit like Wes Anderson in the way that it was very stylized, especially the colors and the way that it was shot and the bits of the town where things were sort of old and like he's got a typewriter and stuff and there's all this kind of stuff. Everything was old, but then suddenly when Thomas Lennon comes on the scene, he's got an iPhone and a helicopter and you're just like, what? so when is it set? What am I supposed to think? You know. I felt like it was trying to be like Wes Anderson, and that really annoyed me. So I didn't think it was trying to be like Wes Anderson. I think it was trying to clumsily set up, this is a sleepy town that doesn't deal with all of the modern shit. Oh, look, here's some modern shit. Look out for the modern shit. I didn't feel feel as though stylistically it was trying to go down a Wes Anderson route. I think all of the big, bold lighting and stuff and the big, bold colours, that, again, was just trying to make a Hallmark Channel-style tv movie where everything does look like it's made out of plasticine but maybe it was my tv but it all looked washed out to me in that kind of in that wes-ish way yeah i didn't think it looked washed out i think it just looked like an old town which is what it is i need to um, get a new tv <laughs> um but yeah i was uh, watching it on my cathode ray tube <laughs> like i was watching it on like the tiny portable tv screen that ian mcshane is it him or someone is inexplicably watching the ending scene on in the film Whereas like a wartime radio TV thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because if you didn't get the message, it's an old town where they use old stuff. Exactly. Um, I felt that Ron Perlman was really underused in this movie. Yeah, he was in about two scenes. I thought that was really disappointing. But I did love that his daughter, it plays his deputy in the film. Oh, I didn't realise so that. So he plays the sheriff, and then the deputy is his daughter, Blake Perlman. Ah, oh, that's cool. Um, which is nice. Well, he also, ha- he also produced it, so... 
he needs to get marked down for that. <laughs> and Michael Shannon had an executive producer credit as well, so both of them are in the doghouse for this bullshit. It's such a weird thing, though, isn't it? What? Production. But... <laughs> well, no, but but it's such a weird thing that, that people have been so heavily involved in, in this movie. Um, yeah, give, it's given really that... interesting. It's like, why would you want to be that involved in it? I, I'm always interested in what drives people to actually want to be involved in the production side, yeah. unless it's like their project. And 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 it, what's strange is that like it's the first real movie directed by and the first movie written by the two people involved. So Seth Henriksen, the director, and Daniel Meyer, the the writer. I looked at both of their CVs and couldn't see much in the way of, you know, anything substantial. Yeah, they they haven't really done anything else at all, really. This is I think it's their first feature each. Um and, and it's just a it's it's a weird one. I wonder why. I wonder why it why it happened. Yeah. And sort of did he read the script and think, you know, I really, really want to have control over how my character is going to be portrayed or whatever, or did he just think it was really, really good and want to be a part of it? Or did he know the, the writer and director already? You know, it's things like that. There's so much going on behind the scenes that leads people to that that I find, yeah, really, really interesting. And and, and what's interesting as well is that this movie was filmed in Hamilton in New York State. Um, and that's also where the movie premiered. Before it, but it then had a limited theatre release before releasing on DVD and on streaming services, and so it's like a really small film made by people who, at least in terms of their 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 publicised credits, haven't really done a lot of other stuff, but who managed to get in a lot of other people, some quite big names, um, for a limited release movie that nobody has seen. It's just a, it's a bit of a curio really it's yeah a bit of an odd it's one. really really baffling and that added to my sense of confusion about it my sense of confusion and frustration with it because sometimes the case of those kind of films is that they're actually really good they're just underappreciated or whatever or that yeah people didn't get behind it or it wasn't widely seen because it didn't have the marketing budget or whatever or they, they spent all their money on the actors and couldn't get it distributed properly or there's all sorts of myriad reasons why you might have a hidden gem so I guess maybe I wanted it to be like that, but it was the complete opposite. <laughs> but it's like if but if you see a film like this and it's nobody you've ever heard of, then you're like, well, obviously it's shit because it's someone's first time thing and these are TV actors and whatever. Well, and it's full of people you know. Yeah, it's very very confusing. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really odd one. Yeah, I I don't I don't know why this movie exists yeah, um, that's the thing and, and, i have and, no idea and that's that is generally what i came out of watching it thinking it's not like, only why it exists but why why it, yeah why it isn't being talked about or why you're not hearing about it or this guy why it flew so under the radar for those kind of names and it's almost as if did any of them promote it maybe they all sort of realized while they were making it that it was bad but didn't but had to go through with it it's like yeah who knows? Yeah, because in terms of big names who would pull pull people in to watch a movie, I think the the biggest one is probably Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's got a solid fan base of people, you know, yeah. from Hellboy and everything like that. He's a he's a real good name that people would turn out to see. But he's got Ian such McShane a... has a lot of middle aged women swooning after him still. <laughs> and men. But at the same time he's he's um he's not sort of like a main draw. I don't know if anyone would go out of their, their way to watch everything that Ian McShane has been in. Equally, I don't think anyone would do the same for Christina Hendricks or Michael Shannon or Judy Greer. Yeah. Um 
And but they're all people that you have heard of and have seen in other things. So the combination of all of them together is like, wow, because sometimes there's a lead and you haven't heard of all the other people. But yeah, this is a lot of names together that you've heard of. But not necess- And the sum of those parts does not make a whole. Yeah, but, but not necessarily anybody here who would be an immediate draw for people to watch the film, apart from Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's the only one who I think people would specifically watch because he's in it. But because he's got a, such a minor role in this film it may well have flown under the radar for his fans as well. And I'm, I'm, I wonder if that's a reason why so few people have seen it, is that none of the people in it, all of the people in it are really good and who have, have really acted in some great stuff, but none of them are like, there's no Brad Pitt here where there's screaming hordes who are like, I will watch this because it has Brad Pitt in it. You don't think Michael Shannon has stands? I think he has stands, but it's, it's weird people like you and me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. The yeah, the Shane heads as they call them in McShane's stands, <laughs> they're all out there on Twitter, probably defending this movie to their four followers. <laughs> I mean, because I I love Ian McShane. Um, he turns up in Game of Thrones for one episode, and it's one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. Does he? It's absolutely I did not know that. Absolutely amazing. One of the best ones they've done. A really low key episode. Um, that's all all about one specific character, and it's so good. Um, and a big part of why it's good is that Ian McShane is fucking amazing because he's brilliant. Um, yeah. D- does he drink moonshine and heckle everyone? He 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 tries to get everyone to eat bugs, and he takes this one character off on a Bigfoot hunt. Um, it's it's yeah, it's phenomenal. What's Game of Thrones language for a Bigfoot? Um, a a big fuckfoot. <laughs> they swear a lot in Game of Thrones. Oh, I thought you meant a uh, a titfoot. <laughs> a titfoot. Because yeah, I've never seen Game of Thrones, but I still can never get Charlie Brooker's description of it out of my head, which is that he described it as Tolkien with tits. <laughs> it is significantly better than Lord of the Rings in terms of storytelling. I don't know what you mean. I, I mean, I love reading the Silmarillion as much as anyone because I like <laughs> my I, I love my fantasy books to be boring and full of nonsense. <laughs> That you have extremely no... long and full of nothing but <laughs> inexplicable labyrinthine lore. Yeah, I mean that's what I that's what I read fantasy books for. That's what I watch fantasy movies for. I don't watch them for plot or fantasy or or anything like that. I I, I like dry descriptions of things that happened thousands of years ago with no emotional attachment. <laughs> I've never read it. Have you not? Oh mate, you're missing out. I um I I picked it up from the school library I think in my teens and pretended I was reading it but I never actually did. Oh, you poser! You fantasy poser! Yeah, a complete poser. <laughs> no, speaking of which, I am about to start reading the Name of the Wind. Have you read that? I've not. No. I've heard very very good things about it from a lot of people, and I've been meaning to read it for years. And I just picked it up, and I'm excited to read that. Oh, I try and read, like get to a fantasy book over the uh, over the Christmas break. Generally, seems like that's going to be my one. Yeah, mine is going to be, um, I'm going to hopefully get through the second of the Gentleman Bastard books, because I read the first one um, a couple of years back now, and, and absolutely... Oh, that's about it. me. <laughs> it's just a picture of you on the front cover, apart from you've got dragon wings coming off you, Paddy. Um, they're, they're really good. Um, it's, it's set in a sort of, but the, the first one at least, The, the Lies of Locke Lamora, is almost, um, it's almost set in a a fantasy version of venice almost it's got that kind of that kind of feel to it um and it's really a really clever twisting 
fantasy novel. I, I loved it, but they're all very, very long as fantasy books often are. Um, and I prefer reading things that are, are short and that I can get through quickly and that really I can attach to through being written in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, if you know what I mean, as, as opposed to things that do a really great detailed storytelling, but they were written in a more traditional way. I like things that, that are interesting from a technical standpoint. Um, but, but this, the, the, yeah, the first book really gripped me and I've been sort of thinking, Oh, when's a good time to read this really long book where I have nothing else to focus on. And so I thought, you know what, Christmas, that'll do. That's a good time for it. And you're going on long flights as well. I am indeed. Yeah. I've got a couple of very long flights ahead of me. Perfect. Um, You can watch lots of films with like weird subtitles and stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be like chucking my iPad full of stuff and taking a good long book with me. Who are those books by? The Bastard Men oh, what, books? What's his name? I can't remember if it's a real guy or if it's Jonathan a... Bastard. <laughs> I can't remember if it's a real guy or if it's a, a combination of different people who go under a name. Because um, all men who write books are called Jonathan. This uh, is a fact. It's it's an absolute fact. Um, oh, no, it's a guy called Scott Lynch. Oh, yep. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was another I series we... I was reading that was written by separate people who worked on. Oh, it was. Um, yeah, I've forgotten the name of it, but yeah, it's another series where it's like two people who write together and they they pretend they're one person. But yeah, no, Scott Lynch is one dude. Right? Maybe we should just pretend that we're one dude. I think it's a good idea. Jonathan Big Boys. <laughs> Jonathan Big Bois. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he's he's a French guy. Yeah, Big Bois. A French guy who loves his romantic comedies. <laughs> And he doesn't cry. Maybe, maybe we are Paddy. Maybe I'm a figment of your imagination, and you're and you're doing this entire podcast on your own. Maybe it's a whole Fight Club thing. Oh shit! Well, the first rule of podcast is that you don't talk about the podcast. <laughs> exactly. But at the end of every episode, we ask people to talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> every podcast fails. Oh no! Every podcast <laughs> fails at the rule, the first rule of podcasting. I've been kicked out of podcast club, and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> Start a fight club, obviously. Yeah, yeah, next. for sure. You know, I like uh, I like a bit of fighting every now and then. I like shooty fighty. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So this movie that we're watching that we watched, yeah. In the past tense. It's definitely in the past. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm gonna be watching it again. Yeah. I found it um I found it interesting that you that I think I hate this more than you do, and I think you, you you're a bit sympathetic to it because it's closer to the kind of films that you want to stumble across when you're watching daytime TV. Whereas I'd much rather stumble across something like a Christmas Prince where it's just like outright trashy. Like, yeah, I'm less and that's more I think that says a lot about our individual sensibilities and what we each bring to the table with this podcast well i think you misunderstand i don't want to stumble across either of these movies i hate them both (laughs) um but this i think has more weird crap going on and i think as we've established previously i like movies that go for something weird and fail to make the landing the ones who stick with something unbelievably safe which is exactly what christmas prince 2 is it's the most safe film and i think that's what annoyed me so much about it yeah see i i'm i'm able to enjoy those i guess i like the the minutiae of of playing it safe when it's also kind of silly and it comes from a place of 
yeah, just genuine. Someone thinks it's really good, but it's actually just really stupid. I guess I have less of a tolerance for weird crap, as you put it. Yes, and and this movie is weird crap. But I think, and and if it was out and out weird crap, I'd probably enjoy it. But it's not, and it plays it safe in lots of irritating ways. Um, is so, it better or worse than Antichrist? Um, it is better than Antichrist. Antichrist is really dumb, and I hate it. <laughs> is um, it better or worse than the Bridges of Madison County? It is worse than the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> Yes. What did I give the Come What on. did I give the Bridges of Madison County? Was it a seven? I uh, yeah that that sounds about right. Yeah, let me I've... open up. Let me open up the charts. <laughs> open up the charts. We should have a chart jingle. <laughs> we should do. Yeah. You gave the Bridges of Madison County a seven. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I gave it a ten. Eight, so so this I'm 8. I'm not 5. sure whether it's it warrants being a lower score, but I definitely like this movie less than the Bridges of Madison County. Yeah, well, as as we're talking about it, shall we score it? Yeah, okay. How, how are we gonna rate, we gonna rate this? Well, uh, uh, do you have any other points that you want to make, or just that it's weird crap? <laughs> I, I don't really think I have any other points to make about this film. I was very disappointed in it, given it had so much potential to be really dumb in an interesting way, and it just wasn't. Yeah, it's it's the only it's other thing bland. I have to say is that nobody is called Maynard, apart from apart the lead from singer of Tool, Maynard James Keenan, <laughs> the bloke from Tool. Yeah. Who hasn't it been proven that he's a bad man? It, it hasn't been proven that he's a bad man, but there have been allegations, a, f- a few allegations, which I think is worrying enough. I read some very worrying stuff about him earlier this year. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all a bit up in the air as to the accuracy of them. I think, right? Um, but I think it's enough to be a little bit cautious about how much time you give him going forward. Um, it's 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 not as clear cut as some of the other instances of the Me Too movement, but there's enough concern there, and I think you always have to take these allegations seriously. Absolutely, yeah. So that's that's a shame, but yeah, he's the only person, other person I could think of called Maynard. So you know, what? Why? Why call him Maynard? And and they, they Maynard Grieger. They call him May for a lot of the movie as well. I'm like, yeah. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stupid yeah. shortening of Maynard they call him Maynard and his he's just like his acting is very kind of wooden and matter of fact whereas like Christina Hendricks's is really overdone and you're just like no these two people don't work they it's not a thing and I think if everybody had been as over the top as Christina Hendricks was I think she had the right idea and Ian McShane had the right idea um adding that that stupid cartoonish energy to it is the best thing about this movie and and they're the two people that i think realized what kind of film it could be to make it that kind of hokey fun but instead a lot of people play it quite down to earth apart from you know um matey boy the bigfoot hunter who plays it very cartoonish and again is much more interesting yeah Um, when you're doing a film this stupid you have to go all in yeah it, it needed that kind of cartoonish energy which it just didn't get um, and I think, yeah, a lot of that is down to our boy Maynard being quite a, you know, he's a bit wet milk, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hate hate wet milk. Jeez. <laughs> I want my milk to be as dry as... Fuck. I like my dry milk. Um, yeah. And, and I think, again, that's part of the problem is that, yeah, he's a bit bland and he's a bit dry and not very interesting. And if I was married to him, I'd probably do weird furry stuff with Ron Perlman if given the chance. Yeah, why not? That seemed like a fun community and a nice scene. Yeah, they were having fun. They're out in the woods, having a bit of a party, dressing yeah. like animals, howling Nothing at the moon. Not much else to do in that kind of 
<laughs> boring town with all its boarded up shops and typewriters it's and li- stuff. It's literally that or crack. What would you rather people were doing, <laughs> you know? Well, no, they they don't have crack because it's an old it's an oldie worldie town. They probably have like opioids, snuff. Yeah, <laughs> just all snuffing it. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, how are we going to rate this movie then? I think um, how many furries at your midnight moon party? Yeah, yeah. How how many people are at your your midnight furry party in the woods? Mine is not. There are not going to be many feet. Not very many people at mine. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to plumb the depths. I'm going to give it a two. If only because I, it's you forced you backed me into a corner and forced me to compare it to a Christmas Prince two and to defend a Christmas Prince two against it, and I gave a Christmas Prince two a three, so it has to go lower than that. So I'm giving it a two. <laughs> See, for me, I'm giving it a seven. I don't think I can give it a score that's entirely one less than the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> but I do not like this movie as much as the Bridges of Madison County. This would be. This would be like a six point seven five if we were ranking it to to that level. Um, it's yeah. it's bad and I don't like it, but I like the fact that there's some weird crap in it that at least piqued my interest. And then I was offended at the fact that it didn't go anywhere near enough into the subcultures that it was trying to talk about. Yeah, just like the Silmarillion, right? <laughs> this it's like a movie adaptation of the Silmarillion. I'm looking forward to the next to the big That's budget Silmarillion adaptation, which is like twenty movies long. Yeah. Although they're making this Lord of the Rings TV series, right? And a lot yeah, of people, I'm dubious about this. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm like, you know what? Lord of the Rings works best as a visual medium. Like the books are fine. The Hobbit's really good. The Lord of the Rings books are quite dry, and I think Peter Jackson's movie trilogy is much better than the source material. Yeah. Um. And so I'm fine with the TV series. And I was thinking, what would be really cool is if someone did a TV series of the Silmarillion. And like took out those little snippets of random crap that's happening because there's so much interesting random crap that's just given like two sentences in the Silmarillion backed up by like effectively what should normally be footnotes is a novel. <laughs> and that's what the Silmarillion <laughs> is. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, it'd be so cool if someone took that and made a TV series out of it. And I don't know what they're going to do with the Lord of the Rings TV series. But guys, if it's successful, do the Silmarillion next. Do it yeah, as a TV series. Let, be cool. Do the Silmarillion, and then we'll do it like a whole podcast about that, like a series about that that never ends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by it. I think there's quite a lot of good fantasy shows coming soon, or that have the potential to be good. So you've got the Witcher TV series with Henry Cavill. You've got this Lord of the Rings TV series. I think they're finally making a Wheel of Time TV series as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's been in like development hell for God knows how long. Yeah. And I do think that it's probably unfilmable, but I'm really interested to see how it goes. I think it's filmable. I think they've just got to cut out all the crap that takes up books on end. <laughs> no, I want the weird crap. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um, an entire series about someone just walking with his mate. Yeah. Talking People about pacing nonsense. up and down corridors, talking talking about the taint on the male side of the true source. Yeah, that's what I want. No, but I think it's filmable. I think they just need to actually be quite ruthless about what they keep in and what they don't. Yeah, and it might annoy fans of the books, but it's going to actually be appreciated by people who haven't read the books if they no, do it that the, way the fans of the books will pretend they don't like it but they will like it because they'll it will realize the dream of reading the books without having to go 10 pages for anything to actually happen <laughs> and i say that as a fan yeah i i enjoyed the first few that i uh, i think i read two or three and then i was like 
you know what, there's another like 10 to go. They're already getting a bit long-winded. I don't think I can handle this. Yeah, that's a wise choice. Which, come at me, fantasy bros. <laughs> come at yep. me. All the fantasy bros who listen to our show just waiting for Gonna the be livid. I, I have critiqued... Talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I've criticised the Silmarillion and Wheel of I, Time. I would go as far as to say you have dissed the Silmarillion. I, I have dissed the Silmarillion. It's full of great concepts, but it reads like a fucking Wikipedia page. <laughs> I'm, done, I'm done with it. It um, reads like Jimmy Wales' face is staring out from it, asking you for money. <laughs> Um, but yes, so yeah, uh, Pottersville seven for me. Um, yeah, it's which a... averages it out at four point five. Uh, can you can you remember which ship piece also scored four point five? I don't know. This is quite interesting because that was also the film that we did at the end of last year, which was New Year's Eve. Oh man! So both years end on a four point five. I suppose. I suppose. Um, at least there's that sil- similarity there in that they both had really good casts that they just failed to do anything good with. And loads of random shit that didn't really join up properly. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up New Year's Eve. Now I'm <laughs> going to have to remember that movie exists. <laughs> it's okay. Just remember the um, the credit sequence with the pink song and the Ephronator and Michelle Pfeiffer dancing. That's the only good bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that little bit of the... This. And, and yeah, so so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to file away Pottersville's the, the the Pottersville in my head of where a furry gets mistaken for Bigfoot and hijinks ensue. I'm going to file away with. Wouldn't it have been nice to have a whole movie about Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, in the movies then, that will never happen, but I wish had. The place where I'm filing away the um, Thomas Lennon, Ian McShane, Anchorman style Bear Grylls parody film. I mean, again, that would be great. I'd love that. Why did they have to frame it around some hokey romance nonsense? Yeah that you know came together in the last five minutes after an hour of them hooting in the dark <laughs> hooting in the dark <laughs> it wasn't that a, a um new metal song <laughs> i thought that was a bit of the uh the hobbit isn't it <laughs> you just got we got bilbo and Gollum hooting at each other across a cave oh, yeah no, I was thinking, I've been hooting in the dark searching for the bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> oh hooberstank <laughs> Whatever happened to them? <laughs> I did see something very funny on Twitter the other day where someone was saying no one's going to believe that there was a band called Hooberstank. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> it sounds like you're asking who farted. What? Okay, I'm doing a quick. I'm doing a quick Google. What does Hooberstank mean? I bet no one's ever Googled that before. <laughs> no, it comes up as a predicted search. What does Hooberstank mean? What is the meaning of Huberstank? <laughs> Doug's brother, I don't know who Doug is. I imagine he's a he's member. The singer. Of, is he the singer? Doug's yeah. brother is the vice president of BMW Motorcycles and lives in Germany. And there is a street out by his house that is called Huber Street. And before Doug could pronounce the name, he called it Huberstank. And it was kind of a cute thing. And his brother still teases him about it to this day. I hate that. I hate when like bands have nonsensical names that are related to something that only the singer or the band would get. That's not good. That's I, not how to make your band accessible to people. I don't mind that. I think that's quite a sweet little story. It is if it sounds like a good word. But like like my friend's band, Tellison, that's a made up word, but it sounds good. But Huberstank just sounds stupid. I don't I don't mind that. I think that's fine. And obviously they did reach an audience because for a while they were bloody massive when they released that song. 
Yeah, you could not turn on Kerrang without seeing the video for the reason yeah. in 2003 yeah. or four, whenever it was. Um, so yeah, I don't mind that. I think that's quite a sweet story, and it beats a stupid name like I don't know. What, what? car seat headrest <laughs> what's, what's the name of that terrible band um Portugal mushroom Doctor head Man. mushroom head or some of the Mush- other stupid new metal bands <laughs> around at the time. yeah that is a, that is an atrocious name <laughs> mushroom head they were awful mushroom head i remember thinking even back in the days of listening to that nonsense i was like you know what these guys are losers yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really tickled me that was the perfect example i was thinking back to my my poll of bad band names that i did i think it was this year yeah car seat headrest portugal dot the man clean bandit oh, what was the other one? Oh, um, catfish and the bottle men Cat- i can't believe yes, that that's what i was thinking too. of when i was when i was talking about things that are like meaningful to the singer but not to anyone else because the story is that there was some busker that he saw when he was a kid who who played a bunch of bottles on sticks who was called Catfish the Bottle Man. Great. Well done. Really meaningful to you, but means fuck all to anyone else. Yeah, and I mean, I, I take umbrage with that name just because it sounds really dumb and I don't like their music. Yeah. But you um, know, I think Hooberstank sounds dumb. <laughs> Cole Chamber is a cool name, but <laughs> a really Chamber. bad man. <laughs> a really bad band. Like Cole Chamber, if you were in a, if you were like an industrial a good industrial metal band called Cole Chamber, that would be good. But they are a bad band. I don't know, man. That makes me think of the decline of British industry up north. <laughs> exactly. And what's more depre- what's more depressing than that? <laughs> yeah, um, it makes me think of the miners strike. You've got Godsmack. God, God that is a terrible God Static X. Oh um, man, stained. That, that guy had massive hair. Stained. Do you remember stained? stained? Yeah, that's that's an awful name. Yep, just makes you think about wanking. Edema. I don't know what edema means. Do you remember edema? Yeah, n- never. They were on the periphery. I don't think I ever listened to Spine them. Shank. <laughs> Spine shank. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yes. We should do a separate chart and rank all of these. <laughs> we, in should, order. we should do a we should do a, a, a new metal podcast where we just that talk would about actually be amazing. One band, be... one band that I really liked, and I think the fact that they had a goofy name made them kind of better back in the day was Taproot. Do you remember Taproot? <laughs> Taproot. Yeah, yeah. Because because their music was kind of odd, and I was like, okay, that's all right. I can get on with it. They're kind of goofy, and they had a really goofy name, and I was like, okay. Uh, what does that mean? Taproot. Taproot is it a type of like a, a type of root? Of yeah. A plant. Yeah, I think so. Isn't it? I don't know. It's like the main root of a plant, isn't it? The taproot. I don't know. We should we should get a a um. Okay, let's Google. What? Let's let's Google this. Let's see whether my horticultural herbologist is good. Someone... Okay, yes, the taproot is a straight tapering root growing vertically downwards and forming the centre from which subsidiary rootlets spring. So it's like the main root of a plant, the taproot. Right, okay. Yeah, Um, I like when people are named after things where you sort of vaguely know what it means, but you don't really. You've got got my favourite. My favourite, saliva. Do you remember saliva? No. They were... Saliva? um, Yeah, they were a new metal band. Oh, what is Faith No More going on, doing on this list of new metal bands? Piss off. Faith No More are amazing. Faith No More aren't a new metal band. No. What You've list got, are you looking at? It, it, I typed new metal bands into Google and it's what's going on on the top. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff here which isn't. So you've got like Slayer and Pantera oh, and Christ. stuff like that. Uh, Trapped, spelt T-R-A-P-T. T-R-A-P-T. Yep, yep. Um, 
Mudvane. Mud- <laughs> With a Mud- Y. Mudvane. <laughs> <laughs> they were another bunch of dweebs who wore masks, weren't they? You had, <laughs> yeah, you had like boiler not, suits. You had Slipknot, you had Mushroom Head, and you had Mudvane. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Il Nino. Il oh, Nino, but spelt I double L. Il Nino. They were really weirdly popular at my school, I think, because there were some Spanish kids who were into the fan that they, the idea that they occasionally sang in Spanish. Yeah, we had a bit. We had a bit of um, a fandom of them where I was. But also, Incubus. I think Incubus is a good name. Incubus is. But a good there name. was. Um, me and my, my friend James, who shared a room, we had a poster of um, Incubus up on the wall. And this Italian guy one day walked in and looked at it and just went, an Incubus is a very bad thing. And we were like, oh, no, it's a band. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, he thought we were just like demons. It's because it's oh, yeah. because it a is a real the guy sort from of Mushroom Head. <laughs> He's wearing he a mask. A mushroom, is, it just, is it just Toad from Mario? He kind of looks like... Actually, no, he looks a bit like Venom. Like Tom oh, really? Hardy's Venom. Is that the just the guy... Have you seen Tom Hardy's Venom and the guy from Mushroom Head in the same room? Maybe that's maybe that's the secret to their long-running musical success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is, yeah. New Metal was an interesting time, wasn't it? It was. The kids listening to this podcast have no idea what we're talking about. I would love to do. Let Let's do a spin off at some point and talk about like music because I think we yeah. both know quite a lot about it. And I love the whole toxic masculinity that was wrapped up in new metal. I find it fascinating that it was. It was this real. I, it was a very male centric release of rage in a very masculine manner. Yeah, um, I mean, Jonathan Davis from Corn. half the time, he's not even using words. He's just going... Yeah, he's doing like and it's like, um, like jazz scatting, isn't he? Yeah, so. that is that is the ja- the toxic masculinity of jazz scat. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, do you know what I mean, though? There's that whole sort of like masculine anger that was really tied up in new metal um, in like the teenage years that was very different from the kind of anger that came before it from the metal scene and the punk scene and the grunge scene there was something real really that really sort of tapped into that angst in a very different way um yeah, with, it's with very... much more bravado to it it's and and I, I it's one of those genres that's aged the, the worst out of any in musical history as well yeah absolutely it's very my um my girlfriend left me isn't it yeah it's 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 really that kind of thing or popular people are jerks <laughs> is the yeah. other is the other <laughs> yeah. main thing, isn't it? This one goes out to all the jocks at my I high school. I don't like the quarterbacks, that kind of thing. <laughs> Although, do you know which album I do occasionally return to? Is Papa Roach's debut album, Infest? I you know what? That, you know that what? is an excellent album. There are a couple of tracks on that that are actually really good. Dead Cell is an Dead Cell stonker. is an absolute um, banger. And and yeah, so so yeah, that, that that's the thing. And then there are these moments, and like, and you had bands that were wrapped up in it, like Deftones, that that were sort of they were sort mm. of lumped in with new metal, who have gone on to and and that were creating really good music at the time, and have gone on to really create great things without really changing their sound too much. 
Um, yeah, for sure. But like, you look at the like core bands of the time, and so many of them were aged so badly. Yeah, like Corn. I was just looking at Corn, and I remembered that the bassist who's called Fieldy released a hip hop album called Fieldy's Dreams. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember that. Why? He Although that's not his real name. His real name is Reginald Arvizu. Yes, which actually I think is an awesome name. It's a great name. Um, yeah, so it's yes, yeah, so so many of those bands have aged so badly, and like looking back on it are so not good but they're they're they're, it's like this time capsule back to this time where it's like just before the break of the internet and we haven't even mentioned limp biscuit oh fuck me limp biscuit (laughs) did anyone actually really like limp biscuit i don't know there are a lot of people who were really into it at the time because i i I did not like them (laughs) one bit and I was like, is everyone else just pretending to like these guys? They're really bad. And their singer is a real irritating little jerk. Um, and, and I have been vindicated in that <laughs> going forwards. Yeah, I, I always just kind of thought they were okay. But yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. But they got to number one, which is very rare for a, a metal band. Yeah. Was it with the um, the Mission Impossible song? Yeah, that got to number one, didn't it? And Rolling got to number one, I think. Yeah. There can't have been much else in the charts at that time. <laughs> um, anyway, we we have rambled on <laughs> quite a long time about There's this. There's a lot of new metal chat, which yeah. we will save for another spin-off podcast that we will do at some point. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is our last um, episode of the year. And, uh, yeah, a kind of festive end, end to um, 2018. So this will actually go out after Christmas and before the New Year, so in the, uh, the gooch of the festive season, <laughs> as it's known. It's official title. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we thank you very, very much for spending this year with us and for listening in. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope you all had a lovely, lovely Christmas. Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, and that you have a very, very happy New Year. Yes, happy New Year. As a, as a late Christmas present to us... Um, go and buy my charity single for Mental Health UK, by the way, if you haven't done mm. so already. Um, Paddy has made me sound like a competent musician, which is <laughs> an incredible feat. Um, so if you search for Crutches by R. Gordon on whatever you choose. R.Gordon. R.Gordon. Um, like um, like Portugal.theman. Like Portugal.theman or, Same or S.Carey, um, that kind of thing. Um and um and yeah, buy it. All the money will go to Mental Health UK, so pick it up from iTunes or Amazon. Um and Paddy, put put a song at the end. Put one of the songs at yeah. the end of this. Wh- which one? Which whatever one? whatever one you choose, whatever one you you most want to share with everybody. All right. I, I will do. I'll, go- I'll decide. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um I, I'm looking forward to knowing what your choice is. I won't I won't tell you. You'll have to listen to it to find out. But Excellent. I'll do the one that I'm most proud of. Marvellous. Cool. So in January, we were going to do a whole month of the same thing, but I don't know that I can handle it. What, what do you think? I don't know if I can handle it either, to be honest with you. I'm kind yeah. of pleased you said that. <laughs> so we could still do a little bit, but actually a film has come along that um, on Netflix that I think we should talk about, which is Dumpling. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the which has uh, been a suggestion, and it's uh, people are talking about it and stuff. So, in a, a vague attempt to stay current, you know, when we're recording two or three weeks ahead, by which time there'll probably be some film about new metal out that we can talk about or something. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
but yeah, this film stars um, Jennifer Aniston as a like pageant mum and her her d- daughter, who is not a conventionally attractive type, decides to enter the pageant, and it's got Dolly Parton's done the music for it and like remixed some of her tracks and stuff, and it looks really interesting, and I've heard good things, so I'm excited to watch that as our first film of 2019. Awesome, yes, I'm looking forward to watching that. Cool. So we won't say what we were going to do for the rest of January till we get there. No, because we might we might do that another time anyway, mightn't we? Yeah, it was mainly just so that it could I could do a pun on January, but <laughs> <laughs> we can do it another time. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'll just have to watch the cartoon adaptation of the Silmarillion on my own. <laughs> <laughs> that does not exist. It should exist. Though. It should. Yeah. So yeah, um, thanks. As we said, thanks a lot for tuning in. We we really really appreciate it. If you like what we do, leave a rating, review, etc. Um, wherever you get your pods, always very very much appreciated. And a very happy New Year to you. Um, you can always get in touch with us um, on the Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. And the emails at Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at Gmail dot com. And we'll be back next week, next year, to talk about dumpling. Oh yes, indeed. Bye bye. Bye bye. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Mushroom Head. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that was. To hear that siren song It takes a lot of work Cause I know I'm happier at 50 feet below Content with all my quirks I can see The quiet life is not the place for me the hum of half-gone stars for one day Allow yourself to come be led astray We'll drink from mason jars and let the light drown it out Those anxieties and doubts hey. Play for the castaways. Let the night drown it out. Drown it out. I can be the beauty in that So don't we need wars to help define what we've been longing for? Those peaks between the lows and let the night drown it out. Those anxieties and doubts, a passion. 
for the castaways. Let the night 